Hello and welcome to the Business of Data podcast here in Boston at CDAO4. And uh, my lovely guest today is the wonderful Victoria Business of Data advisor. How's it going, Victoria? It's great. What a wonderful event that you guys have put on. It's really so exciting to be here and surrounded in person by such great leaders. Well, I mean, obviously we had the gala last night. You were one of our fantastic judges that got up on stage and uh, gave us a bit of a flavor about the awards and about the process that you were so involved in. Um, and, and we're here today. We're very, very much caffeined up to be here today. It was a late night. Yes. What I want to talk to you about on the podcast today is really what you do so well naturally, I feel, which is your leadership and putting yourself out there so people know you, know your story and how your team can really get behind that and feel inspired by that. Because there's so many people, I've received so many messages from people to be like, how do I do this? And I thought, why not sit down with you today after having such a fun time at the gala last night? Talk me through your story. When you came into your career, when you started this kind of thought leadership journey, what did the start of that look like for you? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And I think um, as I retrace the steps, it's actually quite natural in how it came along because I really love working in the data and analytics space. I was so fortunate to find a domain area in healthcare that allows me to take the data and analytics knowledge I have and really apply it to something that I feel personally connected to. And I think that is a big part of what resonates also with people that I work with, people that I network with, people that are, um, you know, that I, that I meet and that I can connect with beyond that is the application of it. Just uh, yesterday over dinner, we had a great conversation uh, among the other judges, really talking about different new uh, innovations that were coming forward. And one person was from a different industry talking about it, and I was able to take that data and analytics sort of problem and think about what is the application within the healthcare space. And so that ability to kind of connect the dots is, I would say, um, something that I've honed over time with experience. I'm an avid reader and I like to share the things that I learn with others. Not necessarily always on social media, sometimes it's just in conversations. And really use um, those interesting tidbits to also try to help other people. I'm not sure I would say I'm qualified to give advice, right? But I can share what I know and I can share what I've learned. And if that helps somebody else or if it inspires a new idea, that is really then, um, I think, the value in and of itself. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think you, because of that, you have such a welcoming environment that I feel in the data space, if you're, if you're not in the data space, it can feel a bit intimidating, I think, at times because people do have a pre, pre-prescribed notion of what they think data is, very mathsy, very like kind of technical. And it doesn't always have to be that way, but I think what you do so well is that because you're so open in these conversations, people feel like they can actually engage with you in that way. When it comes to being in the business and across your career in the various companies you've worked in, how do you ensure that you are emitting that energy? Is there anything that you particularly do? Is there like ways that you manufacture that or is it just organic? Um, so it's definitely organic, but I think it's something that can be cultivated. So uh, for me, one of the mindset shifts that I have really looked at is focusing on the outcomes and on the value that's provided. And that value can be taking something that's very data and analytics um, detailed and summarizing it to someone who is 
not in that part of the business, or as uh, one of my mentors said, try to summarize it for an 11-year-old. Mm -hmm. How would you talk about it in a way that doesn't use big buzzwords? Because it's really about you know what is the context behind it. I think there's a huge opportunity uh, to bridge this gap between the very deep data and analytics and the businesses or the applications. So when I teach, for example, I often tell my students, know the context of the data. It's so easy to grab some data set somewhere and you know scrape it and, and analyze it and come up with a result. But what is the actual question you're answering? How is the data that you're using collected? And really practicing talking about that. One way that people can do that is by creating a data portfolio. Right, or a data and analytics portfolio, right, depending on where along that life cycle you're most interested in. And using that, even if it's not for an interview, for a conversation, for the practice of it, for the ability to talk about it, knowing a domain that you're interested in and being able to translate some of that. I'm not as close these days to the you know day-to-day -day activities. I could program, sure, but I'm not sure it would be really the best programming one would ever get. My strength has evolved from being in those trenches, knowing that, and actually now looking at and being able to lead and identify those problems and look at them and, and find them in an earlier stage. And I feel like there's still this ongoing opportunity for people who are interested in this hybrid of data and business to really do that. We used to call them business analysts. I think we've now called everyone data scientists, a very inclusive term. But um, there's still a lot of spectrum of where people are along that data science um, journey. And so that ability to really take something, understand what the context in a business, and really be able to talk about a problem they're solving is very valuable, right? And a, and a huge partner to then those data engineering teams that are able to go into the details. Someone has to write specifications or requirements. And you can only do that if you truly understand the business problems that you're trying to solve. And it's really interesting to me that you mentioned about kind of the students you teach and, and really putting this importance in play because I've spoken to many leaders um, all around the globe, to be honest, this big problem that they hire in junior people and they want to show all the math, they want to show all their working because that's what they're used to in academia, right? That's how you get your grades is show me the workings. And it's such a hard realization for some when they say the business will not care. They want to know, does it is it valuable? Is it meeting the KPI? And it's, they just assume it's thorough. They assume that you've done the, the math behind it and it's going to be good. And I think it's that cultural shift that actually you have to really understand the business, as you say, understand what they want and deliver that piece. And that might just be the cherry on top, the, the tip of the iceberg, because the rest of it is just assumed that it's going to be done well. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great point. And there's, there's this um, spectrum of what uh, is needed in order to execute a data project or to deliver a data product, right? So you have the technical details and specifications and every organization, I would argue, needs to have those skilled people who love to be in those details, heads down, and they are, that is their happy place. And we need to make sure that we also are valuing that skill set, promoting those kinds of people, because not everyone wants to or should you know, go into a role where they're um, leading a, a team of direct reports. They could be a leader in their expertise, right? Leadership can take on many forms. And so you need those people who are, love that level of detail, but left on their own, 
they're going to perhaps stray in different directions that maybe are not meeting the problems and needs of a business. And so having that partnership of, I think in some projects you might call them a product owner, right? So if you have a data product, a data product owner that can help to define and be that connector. And we've seen so much of that culture come in from this agile and scrum space that still also then requires people to have separate, for example, project managers and portfolio skill sets. So there's so much opportunity in the data space where people um, can be met where they are. They don't, you don't have to always start at that data science, you know, very uh, detailed um, in the weeds role. Um, I think some of the most respected people in um, certain large organizations are those who are the data product or some other um, product manager type roles. And that's an evolving culture that we've seen over the past 10, 5, 10 years. Absolutely. And if I think about our, our table last night at the gala and the judges that surround it, uh, I, I know from, from, from speaking to them in the past, they've all got very diverse experiences in terms of how they got into data. Some of them, you know, had that very deep technical background and they went through university and came into, you know, came up the more traditional, yeah, or the more traditional route. But then I know we, we've also got uh, advisors uh, on our team, I think of Harleen from, from BBC, who came in from a legal standpoint and, and was trained in law and then came in through the business and found the data piece. Um, and I think that's so so interesting, especially in the conversation we're having here today about that leadership piece, is that it's no longer exclusive. And I think that's what makes data really exciting, is that you do have leaders from all over. On that, that's going to be a different type of leader based on of that experience. What's your advice to people when it comes to that? They might be looking around for a new job. They're looking around for a new opportunity. How do you have that conversation with the business to understand what they want from their data leadership? Do they want someone like yourself who can you know, really understand the whole process from, from top to bottom versus someone who has that more business mindset and business capability that can apply that then into data and uh, you know, kind of translate the needs? How do you work out what the business wants? Because it's very different things. Yes, um, there are thousands of LinkedIn posts on this topic of um, the possible or potential discrepancy between what one might find in a job description when you're looking for a role and um, what is actually required. So I think uh, the advice of when you're interviewing, you're also interviewing the company and they are interviewing you and it is that sort of two-way street. Um, so if you're going to a new organization, one of the best ways to really understand what are the organizational values is to perhaps reach out to your network or to start building up a network at a potential company that you are interested in that allows you to understand what do people do and in what parts and what pockets of the organization do different things happen. Large organizations may have a subdivision of responsibilities. Maybe there is a business intelligence or business analytics group that is separate from more of a research and methodology group. So depending on your personal interests, you may go in one or the other spaces. And a small organization may have an all-hands-on-deck, right? So if you're the kind of person who needs a first step in the door to try to figure out what are the types of roles and how do I get a big and broad exposure, maybe you know there's a, a component of size of an organization to consider. Um, the other thing I would say is uh, as you're getting more and more into those leadership roles or you're interested to step into those leadership roles, then the conversation becomes a bit more 
detailed and, and a bit more of uh, cultivating the right questions that you're asking towards the end of a interview, for example. So first you take the step of you know looking at a job description that maybe requires a lot of technical experience in addition to, and maybe you don't have 100% of those qualifications yet. Right? Part of the interview could be around understanding what is the level of detail needed of those so that you can demonstrate your ability to learn and pick those up. Um, I think we're, uh, when building teams, it's really important to look at the right balance of people because if a team is composed of all technical people, then a leader maybe who can guide them should be technical. If a team is more heterogeneous, then a different set of skills is needed for a leader. Um, and then those that are more business oriented, you know, could probably benefit from leaders of two different types. So once you understand that composition of a role, and what is really needed, which again, uh, recruiters tend to be a really good first step to getting some of that insight. Um, and then ultimately that you know, first round interview to ask a few good questions on what is that culture and, and really understand the weight that is put into some of those requirements that we see on the job description. Now, I, I get asked very regularly by the guests who join me on the podcast, who, who listens to this podcast? And I, I look... And, and obviously in, in the way that a podcast and you may be listening here on Apple or Spotify or Google or through the Business of Data platform uh, natively. Uh, so we, we don't know. We don't know the names and, and uh, of, of people who, who listen, but we do know uh, some of the metrics that some of the providers uh, give us in age and gender. And the problem is the age distribution is fairly equal. So we know that we've got junior people here listening today, Victoria. We know that we've got our senior executives uh, listening and everyone in between. We're at an event here today that really encourages networking. And I want to ask you this question because I know you're very good at it. For those more junior listeners who know they want to network, perhaps they don't really know how to network, because let's be honest, it can be uncomfortable sometimes just walking into people, especially if you don't know them and you're really starting out building those connections. In your leadership journey, what are some top tips that you would give to someone walking into this room today to really make the most valuable experience for themselves in building connections? So this is an excellent question, um, and maybe we can even uh, write something up to help people um, uh, along their journey. But when I started out and I was going to conferences, um, I was very uh, specific, first of all, with which meetings I went to, depending on what I was interested in, be it a particular methodology and looking for something that was more in that statistics domain um, that I, I know, or if it was more of a business context. like this meeting here and one of the things that I did was really study who was going to be speaking you have the agenda often published or a few uh, speakers highlighted on say a website or um, other resources like LinkedIn the ability to before you go to the meeting read about those people read an article that they maybe had uh, written listen to a podcast that they participated in get to know a little bit about what is the background of that person and then think about if that's a good match to your interests how would you reach out you can reach out for example by connecting on LinkedIn where I would recommend if you don't know that person already because you're doing it in advance of perhaps hoping to meet them in person you may want to send a message right uh, uh, addressing people by their names adding a comment about something that you found interesting that prompted you to engage um, 
and that is a first step. And then once you get that connection hopefully accepted, right, then you can either consider do I start a conversation, do I just simply, you know, comment on the posts that people make to really um, see who is in that space and to get your footing in that space. And then as a meeting approaches, when you come in, I used to make uh, my own business cards right in, in grad school and so having a card that just had my email it had a few of my uh, analytical interests I think you know there's so many opportunities now where you could make it a QR code and have it go to a PDF so you can you know there, there's a lot of really cool ways you can even demonstrate that and connect it to that earlier mentioned data portfolio that one could create um, to really start the conversation. A lot of the folks at meetings like this who are interested to connect to people are also the vendors that come. The vendors have really excellent skilled people. They have really interesting products that you may want to learn because they might be required in a interview down the road. So that ability to really um, network and, and connect and expand your circle in a thoughtful way, but also um, in a very open way, allows I think some of them, those who are more junior in their careers, to really build up that network. I love that, and I love that you kind of set the set. You know, the networking begins before you even get in the room, and I love that you you set the scene there. And I, I thank you for drawing on the vendor point as well, because some people have asked me in the past, like, why why would people go and chat to a vendor if they're not in the market right now for that solution? Why would they talk to them? But as you say, there's such a wealth of expertise in the partners that we have that come to our events, and our sales team do such a good job of gatekeeping who is going to be quality to our community, so that the conversations that you're having, whether they're relevant right now, are going to be of value to you. In in some way and I think that's so crucial and I think that's such a good point to, to labor and really pushes that don't don't think that there's anyone here that you shouldn't talk to and that you should should uh, uh, engage in those conversations now one related point to that as well is that if you're interested for example like me in the life sciences space there could be some vendors who are known to be in that life sciences space so approaching them to learn you know even about what roles they have that are open what roles they have that they look for how did those people who are you know representing a particular technology or solution how did they get into that line of career I think every little step helps and it's incredible when you put that kind of um, energy out there when you ask people to talk about their careers they're so willing to give of their time um, and if you, you know if they're not available then you can come back right do a do a loop around the room and, and come back and really um, that helps to put people in touch and it builds that network yeah. So, so we've we've tackled the more junior side, but for our CDOs uh, de facto li listening in today as well, what advice would you give to them? Because again, I know you do this terribly well, which is why I'm I'm, I'm just picking your brain on on all these these points. They might want to give back to their community and help the more juniors, and they want to mentor perhaps, or coach, or teach, or just give back. What's your advice to that side of our community for how to do that in practicality? Because it can feel like I want to do something, but how do I do it? So um, um, maybe I'll share some of my experiences that can be taken as advice. Uh, so in my experience, uh, there's been a internal and an external view I've taken to do that. Um, I really like to invest in my team and I like to invest in my uh, organization and really to try to find that talent that is there I do, we have an internal mentoring program, so I do uh, mentoring, and it's really a, a wonderful way, in addition to my team, that can really um, have conversations and to sort of be open to accept those meetings 
um, and to participate. There's different types of um, at or different organizations resource groups that exist where again you know putting it out there that you know I'm a, I'm a data I'm an analytics person um, what questions do you have so many times I've heard people come up to me and say you know Ugh, I hated math you know how do you do that all the time um, and it's just they don't realize but they're working with data numbers all the time so they're actually much more well versed than they give themselves credit for um, and they could benefit from having that partner in the data and business space that could actually help to solve problems so you know this take on being able to um, give that value back to others and find out how to help them you know I think is, is really great on the external view I think it's also uh, important to find, you know, maybe one or two organizations um, that are related. I volunteer um, with the Healthcare Business uh, Women's Association uh, and our local chapter, just trying to, again, to be that connector for for a particular part of my passion of women in that space. There's also um, more organizations that, again, you know, if you're willing to volunteer your time and your effort, I think many uh, of those types of associations and communities would be really glad to have people there. Uh, it takes so much work, for example, to judge and to review all these submissions. So the, the more hands on deck, um, the better. But it is about first getting your foot in the door, finding a couple of people who maybe are volunteering with those organizations, and understanding um, what are the gaps or opportunities. And, and I think getting your name out there is that first uh, step in being then put on a, a little list that says, oh, you know, now you're at the top, we need a volunteer for XYZ, and then a call for action comes out. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And it is, as you say, that you've got the external benefit of, you know, as you were so, so involved in the Business of Data Awards here in Boston, um, through that process, you've got to know the other advisors so well, who we are global, so you're meeting with people from Australia, from the UK, and you're building these connections that otherwise perhaps you wouldn't have made as well, which is why I think it's so crucial that people do take that both internal view and that external view as well. Um, we are rapidly running out of time here today, Victoria. So my final question, which I ask on every podcast episode, which is, if there's one thing you want our listeners to be thinking about as they end this episode with us here today, what's one, one piece of uh, a thought that you want them to, to carry with them? So I would say that um, it's so valuable to have this abundance and growth mindset. If you consider, you know, what is the value that you're giving back out? I find that that message kind of resonates and when you're talking about networking as we've been doing today the ability to think about and reach out and say how can I help especially if you have a, a particular skill set so knowing what is your superpower and then really being able to apply that to help others I find has just so many benefits and, and it, it, it's a gift that keeps on giving to yourself and to others Amazing. well Victoria thank you so much for joining me here today thank you for having me Amazing.